The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Well, it is, uh, it is so, so good to be with you. Let me pray for us as we dive into the Word of God together. Father, uh, we pray this morning that by your grace and the power of your spirit, you will, you will restore our hearts to live in the context of who you are and the truth as you explain it to us. That so many of us just kind of wander around trying to figure stuff out, and and yet you just you make truth available to us in your Word, and I pray that we will hear it today. We will submit our lives to it. We will take it seriously. God, we won't take these things lightly. We won't be casual with them. We will submit ourselves to truth. We will submit ourselves to the authority of Jesus. Because in that authority is freedom. We believe that. Amen. Amen. Refuge Church, we are studying the kingdom of God. And kind of like I was praying, the, the whole idea behind studying the kingdom of God is that we are desperately searching for the context for our lives, right? That's kind of every day, whether whatever we read, whatever we take in, whatever we think, we're, we're trying to find where we fit, and, and ultimately where we fit, where we are meant to fit, is in God's family, in his kingdom. This is our intro for this sermon series. You were made to be a part of something bigger than yourselves, something bigger than any job or hobby or political party, even your own family. God made you first and foremost to be a part of his family and his kingdom, God's kingdom is your ultimate allegiance. When you understand the good news of the kingdom and become a child of God, everything else finds its right and healthy place in your life. In this sermon series, we invite you to see the kingdom of God and submit yourselves completely to the life-giving authority of Jesus. In our time together, we have seen just how simple the kingdom of God can be, how accessible the kingdom of God can be. So simple that it says it belongs to the child. And, and actually, unless you become like a child, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. Chew on that one for a while. Right? For us who aspire to get smarter and smarter and smarter. And oftentimes when we come to church, we're just trying to collect another bit of information, right? And we're like we're so often grappling to be more wise and more powerful, more knowledgeable. And, and Jesus says, man, unless you become like a child, you'll never have a part in the kingdom of heaven. And the nearness, Jesus says, not only is the kingdom of heaven near, but he says the kingdom of heaven can be within you. It's meant to be a kingdom held within. And so although it's near and simple in many ways, today's sermon, here, it's, today's sermon is simply titled, It is Hard to Enter the Kingdom. It's Hard to Enter the Kingdom. And this might be a little more relevant to your experience than hearing that it's as simple as a child or as, 
as near as being within you if you're a believer in Jesus. This is one that probably you're like, okay, this, this is on my level. <laughs> I find it very hard to live according to God's will and God's way. It's hard to enter the kingdom. There's a, a story I think of um, related to this. It's actually in a, a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. I think it's around page 31. He shares a story of a, a friend of his who's a professional singer. And she uh, is invited to, to sing at a, a very fancy wedding, the wedding of a millionaire. And uh, the reception afterwards is held at the Columbia Tower in Seattle. And the, the top two stories of the Columbia Tower are this restaurant. I've actually been there. You, you can only go unless you are a club member or know a club member. And a buddy of mine, his dad, uh, was a part of it. And there's no exchange of money at the Columbia Tower Club. Um, they simply know who you are or who you're with, and the money is exchanged that way. It's just taken out of an account. So, so there's two stories, and you have the bottom level, which is kind of restaurant, and then it kind of goes up this kind of cascading stairwell to the upper level where they have larger banquets. And, and that's where the reception would be held. And so she's sung at the wedding, and now she comes uh, to partake in the reception. Her and her husband walk up these stairs, and she can already hear the, hear the clink of glasses, kind of smell this mouth-watering aroma of food. And she's stopped at the door by the man with the guest list. And he asks for her name, and she shares her name with him. And... He scrolls and he goes, maybe it's under your husband's name. And she gives her husband's name. And he says, you're not on the guest list. And she, you know, she starts saying, well, I, I sang at the wedding, I've, you know, and she's not on the guest list. And so he turns her away. She has to take the elevator back down, go home. As they're driving home, her husband gently says, what, what happened? And she said, you know, I remember getting the card to RSVP, and I figured I was the singer. Of course I'm going to be lit. Of course I don't have to RSVP. I'm like one of the people up front. But she didn't RSVP, and so she couldn't participate. And she said she wept, and she wept not just thinking of her loss there, but wept immediately thinking of what it would be like for some who came in that day and stood before God, and God says, I never knew you. Now, we're going to look at, that's one of the verses we're looking at today. It says, many will come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do powerful things in your name? And Jesus goes, I just didn't, I didn't know you. Weeping over that experience. And so, if Jesus told us where the kingdom can be found and how to find the kingdom, why does it seem that so many of us don't take him up on the offer live with so much uncertainty if we're really a part of the kingdom. How can we be certain of that? And why is the kingdom so, so hard to find? The big question we have today is, have you found the narrow way? And I'm just going to give you the answer here at the outset before we go in. The, the answer simply is you will find the way if you follow the directions Jesus gave. Simple as that. But have you found the narrow way? Um, we've got three different passages we're going to look at today, all um, a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn so you can follow along these three different examples Jesus 
gives and why it's so hard to find the kingdom. Uh, the first is this in Matthew 7, 13 to 14. And the first point from this is just that few find Jesus. And I want that to sink in. Few find Jesus. I think that probably bends your mind a little bit. You're like, man, (laughs) how can that be true? Well, this is what Jesus says. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. Jesus is giving a very simple example here of two gates. A wide gate and a narrow gate. Now the wide gate gives us this image of something that's easy and accessible, obvious, hard to miss. Uh, Probably he wants us to think of a city gate that's so big that you can get everything in your house through this gate at once. (laughs) <laughs> that's probably the image here. He's like, the gate is just so big. It's easy to spot, and you can just, everything, and the kitchen sink included, can get through this gate all at once. But there's two things we find out about this. The first is that destruction is on the other side of this gate. The thing that we think we naturally will avoid that will never be ours, will never experience destruction on ourselves. He says, this is on the other side of the wide gate. And then the second thing we find out is that many, or I think the word most is appropriate there, most people find this gate. This is the popular gate. The wide gate is the popular gate. It's a gathering spot for all sorts of people, very active all times of day, there are probably shows to entertain people, and so they would not miss it. There's probably games, little fun games to amuse people while they're there. And every single pleasure you can imagine, everything that makes this gate just a hoot of a time, this is the wide gate. And most people go through this gate and find destruction. Now, the second gate... There's times in sermons when I'm preaching that I'm not like, I don't want you to hear me as someone who's like trying to be hardcore. I'm just explaining what Jesus is saying here. And it is a very sobering truth, right? This doesn't give me any pleasure to preach this. This is true that most people find the wide gate and the wide gate leads to destruction. Now, few people find this next gate, the narrow gate, the image is a hard-to-recognize and difficult-to-locate gate. You can't bring everything with you through this gate. It is so narrow. People won't even believe that there is a gate there at all. Since it is so small, so remote, so out of the way. And there's two things we find out about this gate. The first is that there is life on the other side of this gate. Though it's modest in appearance, there's immeasurable joy if you find that gate. The image that came to mind was that of uh, Lucy walking through the wardrobe. Right? <laughs> Here's this 
this hard to access like attic room and she goes in and sees this you know regular old wardrobe and when she gets in she gets through on the other side to a very magical world <laughs> this narrow gate and the truth of this gate is that few find it this is not a place Many people gather around. You don't stumble upon this gate. You don't stumble upon this kingdom. It is an out-of-the-way kingdom. It's an out-of-the-way gate, overgrown and probably very unimpressive to look at. Now, this idea of what is large and popular and what is small and unpopular completely contradicts the way we gravitate towards things, even in, in Christianity. We assume that as something is popular, a lot of energy, a lot to, you know, a lot to see, right? very entertaining, a lot of people, more and more people following it, that somehow that is more blessed. Right? That's probably the word we'd use. It just seems to be blessing that ministry, right? And not just in Christianity, just what is popular, what is impressive, we take naturally as a truth indicator. And we, you, this is just what we do. It's the whole like, really silly idea of influencers in the world today. right? Once upon a time, you were an influencer because you actually had skill probably. Um, <laughs> and now it's just because a lot of people follow you. It's like, well, hey, now will you like represent my dog food brand because you have a lot of people that follow you. That's it. And it is a truth indicator for us now. As if because somebody has a lot of people that listen to them, they have something to say. That's not true. That is, that is the mentality and philosophy of the wide gate. Now, Jesus, when he died on the cross, everybody abandoned him, except for a couple people. Now, that wouldn't be a high truth indicator on our barometer of truth, right? We'd be like, well, I think everyone else is going the other way. I'm probably going to go the other way, too. That is the wide gate versus the narrow gate philosophy. You will find the kingdom in the most unexpected places is what we find here. And those who find this unexpected, out-of-the-way kingdom, this narrow gate, find Jesus. Jesus in John 10 says this, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. The gate, we find, is Jesus. And those who find Jesus find the way to life. It's the simple truth here. But the very hard to understand thing that you must grapple with is that few find Jesus. Now, going on, uh, it's a little couple verses later. 
Uh, the second thing we see in Matthew 7, 21 to 23 is that talk is cheap. Many will say, I've found the narrow way. But not everyone who says that really has. This is what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, in your name perform miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now there's two things being said here. One by the people that are coming and the other by Jesus. The first is this. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and your name drive out demons, and your name perform miracles? Now, what this is wanting us to see is that this first group of people, they're really impressive. You would be really impressed by this first group of people. They are doing impressive things. They're prophesying in Jesus' name. Man, like, we have such an inundation of information and people going like, Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying that, right? So many people just filling the airwaves with what Jesus is saying. But when you're like, look at this scripture, like, doesn't really sound like Jesus. <laughs> they're, pro- they're saying things in Jesus' name. They're driving out demons. They're, you're seeing acts of spiritual power here in them. They're performing many miracles. And they are saying, that, Lord, Lord. They're calling Jesus Lord. And Jesus says, this is what Jesus' response is. Very simple. I never knew you. (laughs) This reminds me so much of that story of the woman who sang at the wedding but was not invited or was, was not included in the banquet afterwards. There will be people who believe they think they know Jesus, but they really don't. How could we possibly be this unaware of our relationship with Jesus? Let me tell you a few reasons why. And and maybe some of these will hit close to home. The first is we are so casual about the whole thing. I think this is is a sickness of many uh, people who are part of the church of, say they're part of the church of Jesus, at least in the culture I'm familiar with, which is the American culture. It's as if it could be a social club. And then we go and we just, we don't, we do what Jesus says, which is, he goes on to say, practicing the will of the Father, right? We just go about our days and we just don't really care, right? It's as if it doesn't really matter that much to God whether we're obeying him or not. We get so content with status quo, things as they are, even though God's invited us to act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with him. We're just content. We've heard his words, but we're not obeying them. We compare ourselves with others. Well, it's kind of like that joke about, you know, if you're in the woods and you meet a bear, just make sure you're faster than the guy behind you, right? That's sort of this. Like, we compare ourselves, and we're like, well, oh, I'm not, I'm not Cam, you know, I'm just joking. <laughs> Cam was just making eye contact. Cam, that was your fault. So, you know, we, we just, we look around and we're like, I'm just not, I'm not there. Yeah, sure, I'm not, but I'm not. And instead of looking at the narrow gate, looking at Jesus, finding him, 
We live in this place of comparison. We are distracted by so many concerns, right? This reminds you of the, the parable of the seed and says some sprouted up quickly, but the concerns of this life and the worries of this world choke them out. There are so many concerns we have. We entertain so many ideas. Well, Jesus, I like what you said, but man, and we just keep, you know, chasing every little trail instead of simply walking the way of Jesus. Now, consider these scenarios and the way this works itself out. There will be pastors who strut into heaven very confident, only to hear the words, I never knew you. There will be people who grew up in church who will hear the words, I never knew you. There will be people who gave their life fully in service to others And they will hear the words, I never knew you. Some people who will be so confident that they knew the way, but they never knew Jesus. This is best explained, I think, in the story of the rich young man that we find in in the book of Matthew and the book of Mark, where this rich young man comes to Jesus and Jesus says, have you obeyed what, what God has asked of you, has commanded of you? And he said, yeah, I've obeyed every word. And Jesus says, well, now go sell all your possessions. And he goes, well, I can't do that. And it said Jesus was looking on that man and loving him. Well, what's happening here? You see, God is wanting a relationship, not a fan club. That's just as simple as it is. It doesn't matter all the things you can talk about, all the things you say. It doesn't matter if all your best friends also are Christians. And I'm not saying that that doesn't matter. And like, those aren't powerful things that can shape you. But ultimately, it comes down to, to, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Does he know your name? What does that mean and look like? What does the investment of a life look like? Now, I've shared this story before, but, you know, um, it's kind of funny to me. I, I worked with this girl when I was in college, and she would always talk about, at that time, um, uh, Brad Pitt was married to Jennifer Aniston, and she would always talk about Brad and Jen, and, and she would just, like, chat about him. We were, I, I worked at the, this was, this was like, the, the caf, you know, cafeteria at, at college, and I would be, like, flipping eggs, and she was, like, talking about Brad and Jen, and as if she just knew him, right? And she just, like, read People magazine. And, and if she didn't know him. If she went up and she was like, hey, Brad and Jen, I'm over for dinner, and they'd be like, I don't know you. You know, they're calling security, and... And that's so, man, so much of what we call Christianity is that, right? We're talking about Jesus. I, okay, we went, man, this is probably, maybe we should cut this out of the video. We, I went to the Kitsap prayer breakfast this week. And this is probably too close to home. Hopefully no one watches this who went. But, but we spent the whole time talking about God. And at no point did I ever feel like we worshiped, right? I went to seminary. You know, for, and, and very few, if any of the classes I studied, we were studying God, but very few of them were like, man, let's worship God together. And, and this is what we do. And, and this is what so many Sundays can be. We're like, man, that was a great word. And it's like this thing that we just want to think about. What matters is, do you know Jesus? In your day-to-day lives, are you enjoying him? And if you don't, are you like 
desperately sad over that. And you're like, man, Jesus, show me yourself. Create me a clean heart. Like, don't take your spirit from me. That would be the worst thing ever. I want to know you. Like, I want to experience life with you. That's the only reason I'm on planet Earth. Is that like the cry of our hearts? Or are we just like, okay, being like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I don't do anything about it, but I'm a Christian. Because if, if that's it, if it's just some words we speak, if it's not the way we live and who we are, we will come before Jesus. We'll be at risk of coming before Jesus one day. And he just goes, I never knew you. So if, if you've convinced people that you are around, that you are a Christian, but you aren't, the only one you're hurting is yourself, right? If, if you've like convinced people, and guys, I know this as like, I wrestle with this as a pastor. Like, I realize I can speak and people enjoy that. But if I go home and I'm not, like, loving Jesus and enjoying him and connected to him, I'm the most screwed up person here, right? (laughs) So that's it. That's what we should be doing is building such a relationship that we anticipate and look forward to the day when we're in his presence and he's, man, well done, good and faithful. That should be the desire of our hearts because it is a hard-to-enter kingdom for people especially who just kind of want to go about it the popular way. There is not a popular way. There's a great quote by C.S. Lewis in his, his uh, book, Letters to Malcolm. He says, we must bring before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Bring before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. And man, how many of us come to God in prayer and we're like, I, I think I'm going to say these things because I think this is what I should say. But then taking time to go, man, what's in my heart? And, and that might take a long time. It might take Weeks, months, years to finally pray, to finally pour out your heart before God, but it is worth the waiting, it is worth the working for that. The last story he shares in his Sermon on the Mount is sort of a parable, and this is how it goes. It's Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I want to I summarize this by just this simple statement. Practice is the path. Practice is the path. That's what Jesus is saying here. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise person who built their house on the rock. Jesus is offering you the way here, and it's called discipleship. He's inviting you to be a disciple, to follow him and imitate his life. I think that word imitate is so powerful. We, we are so concentrated on cerebral believing in the church today that we do not know what it looks like to just imitate Jesus. <laughs> like sometimes, Christianity, you have no clue what you're doing. 
You're just like, I'm following Jesus. Like, where he goes, I'm going. And how often did you hear the disciples do that? They were like, well, I guess we're going to Jerusalem. We're going to go die. I don't know why. We're just, we're, and, and, and Jesus is leading the way. He's showing them as they go. They're living lives of imitation, right? So much faith formation happening, happens by reading the word and obeying it. Jesus, you said, and this is Sermon on the Mount, right? You said, if I look at a woman lustfully, it's like committing adultery worth you. It would be better to, to pluck out my eye. I'm just not going to do that. Right? I, just don't, well, I don't want to pluck out my eye. So I'm just going to, I don't want to look at a woman lustfully, right? Like these things Jesus is saying, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to live in obedience to him, understanding as the disciples did that if I'm not doing it perfectly, I'm just keep following Jesus. I'm coming to him, confessing to him, repenting. Right, so I can participate in his kingdom and continuing to follow him. So much formation happens through just simple imitation. I think one of the reasons why we don't imitate Jesus is because we see him as savior but not smart. This is something that Dallas Willard, the philosopher, loved to talk about. He, he, he loved talking about Jesus as the smartest person that ever lived. And I think it's, it's so true. We oftentimes think of this being amazing, but out of touch. Like, Jesus, you said great things, but you, you were God. Jesus was the smartest person that ever lived, and what he said was the smartest things ever said and the truest things ever said. And so our response, if we're following the smartest person that ever lived, Savior of the world, yes, and also the smartest person that ever lived, is we just do what he says. Now, if I'm in the kitchen cooking with my mother and she tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. Because <clears throat> I'm a moron <clears throat> when it comes to cooking. Right? I just don't know. Now, I don't want to undersell myself. I make a really mean quesadilla. But beyond that, right, I, I need instruction from someone smarter. Jesus is smarter than you. Jesus is wiser than you. So read his words and imitate his life. See what he does. Do those things. I, I, think, I think so So many of us, we, we do. We keep reading the Bible and we're like, oh, that was good. Like good thought for the day. And then we go and it never works its way into our lives. And that is why the kingdom of God is so hard. Because we are... We are dancing around the wide gate and going, I can go back to the narrow gate anytime I choose. It's not the way it works. Jesus was not an idealist. Jesus was not a dreamer. Jesus was showing us the way. And we are meant to practice that way. And so, when we ask, have you found the narrow way? And, and the response being, you will find that way, you will find the narrow way when you follow the directions Jesus gave. The question I want to leave with you is this. Three questions. And imagine these as questions Jesus is asking you. Did you hear my words? Jesus is asking you this. He, he literally asks you this. Have you heard my words? Have you heard what I said? Have you heard Jesus' words? Second question, did you understand what I was asking of you? 
Have you understood what I meant by that? And the third is this. Did you obey it? Don't let the kingdom be confusing to you. The child can enter the kingdom. It's just these simple things. Why is it so hard? It's so hard because we want to be smarter than Jesus. (laughs) It's really as simple as it is. Because the narrow way is this. Did you hear Jesus' words? You heard Jesus' words. Did you understand what he is asking? And have you obeyed him? Have you obeyed Jesus' words? This is the way to Jesus. As we take communion together, um, I invite you, um, like we do every week, just to, to take these things seriously. Um, and and I, I invite you just to hold on right away as you go back. We kind of make a line. We go back and we, we take the communion elements, remembering the night Jesus was betrayed. And we take that, that bread going, Jesus, your body really was broken for us. And we, we, we take the cup knowing, man, Jesus, your blood really was shed for us. This really happened. But as you sit there with that thing that really happened that we remember, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus, I just ask you to consider those words. Have you heard Jesus' words? Do you understand them? And maybe you can stop at that point and go, maybe I don't. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe part of my don't understand yet. Maybe I just feel like I'm a part of the club. Maybe I need to understand them. And, but maybe if you do, ask yourself, am I obeying Jesus' words? Is that, is that the direction of my life? Because that is where, right, on the other side of the narrow gate is what? Eternal life. His words are eternal life. Pray with me. Father, We see Jesus. Every time we open the Gospels, we just see Jesus walking across those pages. And I pray that we won't ignore what we see. We won't forget what we see and what we've heard. I pray you will light up our hearts and our souls, our minds, all our strength with a determination by your grace and the power of your spirit to obey what Jesus has said. God, I pray that you'll make us sober with these verses we've looked at. The kingdom may be hard. The kingdom may be a narrow way. That it's about a relationship with you, not just appearing like we have one. So with the Apostle Paul, we, we pray, God, I want to know you. I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. I bring these words and the desire of our hearts uh, to life so we can share an eternal life with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.